Hi, this is Christina Dam, and this is Liberate the Podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. From spirituality, holistic healing, to creativity, and conscious business, we've got your mind, body, and spirit covered. Hey, welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. I'm excited because we get to have one of our own facilitators of many different things, uh, from different forms of plant medicine to facilitating change and inspiration in people. She's here at least twice a month with us on a regular basis, and you know when we can snag her a little bit more, we like to. <laughs> and you know, I've had some just huge transformational work happened for myself personally working with this wonderful woman Celeste on my right here so <laughs> hi Celeste hi. tell everybody a little bit about yourself oh gosh where to begin <laughs> I, I, I like it to be vague at first and then I like to see where you go and then we can okay perfect perfect things. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just funny because I a lot of times people will ask me um, like how did you get started in all of this and I'm like I don't know because you know hindsight is 2020 so when I start to look back at my life I can see so early on like from my earliest memories the seeds start to be planted for my path you know yeah I, I love that that might be something that we we get into talking about because you know based on the last uh, I, I had the privilege of joining Celeste in the last cacao ceremony that she mm. did here and you know in and seeing all of those elements of the past come together. Mm. And so we'll, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> but I want to hear a little bit more about yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, I started really diving into my healing journey um, and uh, finding ways that I could be of service to other people and, and sharing my, my healing work um, about 10, 10 years ago now. Okay. Um, I started off um, facil- or, uh, creating healing sanctuaries at transformational festivals. Um, nice. Yeah, so uh, my, one of my uh, exes, one of my best friends, um, he's one of the biggest festival uh, producers in the country, so Burning Man-style festivals out in the forest or the, the desert. Um, and what I always loved most about that kind of event, or an, I can't even call it an event, it feels like such a, <laughs> a minimal, yeah, yeah. yeah, about that experience is that it's just a completely paradigm shifting um, thing, you know, to, to see people out in nature, first of all, partying, but also um, f- having this experience of community and of humanity and um, having this arena to really grow and evolve and expand their consciousness. Mm. So seeing the, the different healing arts that were available to people at this uh, these kind of events, it was really in- inspirational for me. And honestly, the first couple of years, I, I would go to these festivals and I was just like... <laughs> jaw on the floor you know because my brain is just like what is this this is like an amazing experimental utopian society this like underground culture that's slowly emerging you know yeah um and emerging it is in a big way right you see more right. and more festivals burning man's getting bigger and bigger to right, the point where right. you know like yeah you know and and it's popping up all over because i think that people are searching for that connection again exactly (laughs) the word connection is exactly what what comes to mind and so you're you're you know you're being exposed to all of these 
different forms of festivals, your jaws drop to the ground and you're having these experiences. Uh, were you somewhat on a spiritual path before then? I mean, we're, we're always, always, right. you know, sure. like to, to a certain extent, but I mean, were you diving in and like, you know, kind of fascinated with trying to seek out more information or discovery before that? Yeah, I would say that I, um, started to become aware of my spiritual path and, and journey um, probably when I was around 17 or 18 um, when I moved to Norway. I grew up in California, but I okay. moved to Norway. Um, and um, oh, What brought you to Norway? Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, like, I was going to mention it, but I was like, keep the tangents to a minute. No, like, you know, like, I, that's, that's, you know, you get it. I'll just ask random things. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, perfect, like, they're perfect. probably like, how would you, you know, like, sure. you know, especially it's a, Interesting factoid, only 5% of the United States population goes beyond the borders of the United States besides Canada and Mexico. How, 5% you said? Less than 5%. Less than 5% wow. Of the American population travels beyond the borders of Mexico and Canada. That's wild. So, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, okay, so you're finding yourself not only going and traveling abroad, mm -hmm. but you're actually going and living there so what brought you there yeah um I was dating a, a guy uh, in high school and he was half Norwegian and mm -hmm. um I just I, I I had some I had a pretty tumultuous upbringing okay. <laughs> did a lot of like raising myself and uh as soon as I graduated high school I was like I'm out of here <laughs> let's go uh, I'm also half German so I have dual citizenship so it made it really easy for me to go and um live in a, a completely different place you know yeah um, and while I was over there... Were you born here, though? I was born in Germany. You were born in Germany. Yeah, born in Germany. Grew up in Northern California, so I'm only technically German. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom was born in Germany, so I've always been wanting oh, okay. to like get my citizenship over there because she's a citizen. Yeah, you know. it's... You know, dual citizenship. Handy. <laughs> yeah. Super handy. <laughs> um, so, so you go over there, and how, how much time did you spend over there? I lived there for uh, a year. A year? Yeah, it was amazing. So magical. Um, and just so, I mean, just every time that I, I travel, it feels so transformative, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like my mind is so hungry for that kind of stretching, you know. To, to I, I recently went back to Germany, actually, in uh, October. I was in Berlin for three weeks, and I was just reminded once again of how profound it is to be walking down the street and you have to like figure out how to push the button across the street. <laughs> right? Like that's presence. <laughs> You're like, how do I, what does this, where am I? <laughs> the fundamental necessities of like operating, you know? Yeah. And, and that really, for me, it, it tickles and stretches my brain in such a way that I just feel it's like, uh, you know those old video game cartridges that you still have to blow the dust oh, yeah, out of? That's what it feels no, like. It's an Atari game. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. I've been yeah. doing that for the the, 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 uh, the um, SD cards. I've been blowing up oh, those really? lately. Is it bringing you back? <laughs> it was. In nice. the old Mac computer that we have down at the front, I was the charger wasn't working, but yeah, it's okay, keep it going. <laughs> that breath, it's all about that breath. <laughs> breath work, can you incorporate breath work? Right, in, we'll talk in, about that yeah. too. Okay, so um, you're, you know, we started this, uh, this, uh, this tangent that we're going on is that this exploration of spirituality mm -hmm, and right. diving, you know, so... Um, was it when you started moving, when you moved to Norway, that you're aware of this life bigger, or what, what was that that started to? 
I mean, again, I can now, in, in uh, looking back on it, I can see where seeds were starting to be planted, where my awareness was starting to open up about even just like being involved in in uh, the dramatic arts, like theater in high school, like that awakening my senses to this. Um, therapeutic process of utilizing the emotions that are within me and, and you use utilizing it in a way to express myself creatively and relate to people and have this heart-to-heart -heart connection you know but yes to answer your question on a more like conscious aware um scale i would say moving to norway was uh the first time that i remember really being like Okay, there's there is magic in the world. I knew it. <laughs> I knew a magic exists. Right. Harry Potter is real. <laughs> yeah, because you know, as a child, uh, at, at least for me, and I'm sure for most children, because um, they're so in touch with like source, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when you when you grow up in a, a situation that's like not super favorable or ideal, I feel like. A lot of your your time is spent kind of like imagining and creating that there's like this fantastical magical aspect to, to life and to, to reality and you're like well <laughs> let's see I'm pretty sure I have a hunch you know yeah and so it's so beautiful to then you know later in life get to that point where you kind of finally officially scratch the surface and uh are like wow like the first totally conscious uh, paradigm shift you know or the most conscious paradigm mm -hmm. shift up until that that point in my life um, and I would attribute that to traveling for the first time abroad you know yeah. um, and also I, I had my first experience with uh, plant medicine when I was there as well okay um, and it's funny actually because growing up I was like I'm never gonna you know do anything <laughs> I mean I, I did I you know smoked a lot of weed growing up because you know I didn't like drink or do any of the other things that high school kids did like I was actually really grateful that marijuana found me at a young age because it created sort of this like buffer to put me in like a comfort space you know okay um, but other than that, um, my mother has mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was always like, I don't want to, you know, I had this fear of being like her. So I was like, I'm never going to do any kind of like mushrooms or nothing, anything crazy like that. Interesting. Yes. I have a, my sister has a severe mental illness and I said anything that was harder than alcohol, I would never do. Right. And I even said I would never do weed and never do, like, especially she had, a, like, a binge on acid and then she went mm. insane. And uh, and so it was always like this. Right. No. You know, so. Right. And, and then I found plant medicine, too. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did we find it or did it find us? <laughs> it's, like, undeniable. It comes knocking on your door. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but but it is it is really interesting because I feel like that buildup of fear is such a um, it's such a mix of like just that direct experience we have with those people in our lives that are suffering, but then also all of the social stigma that's like the craziness in our society is the result of this plant or this drug. Don't yeah. do you know? When in reality, it's like, well, who? What is really to blame? Yeah. In my opinion, it's the society itself. You know, yeah. and a lot of times the medications that they're prescribing people that have 
Yeah, the the medications and then also, like, not looking at, you know, we need to be treated as a holistic person at a piecemeal. And, you know, oftentimes, like, you know, I see it so much with people being, like, even, like, take it down a little bit onto, like, a more common mental illness, like having depression or something. Absolutely. And, And then, you know, like, most of the time you can attribute, or at least it's my belief, that the majority of depression cases are just an imbalance of nutrition. Right. You know, and that, yeah. you know, when people allow themselves to actually say, oh, look at I'm deficient in these vitamins and minerals, and that's why my brain's not firing properly or I'm not coping right, and suddenly that goes away. Right. But no, like, <laughs> I, you know, but that's like the last thing that, you know, is looked at oftentimes anyways. It's, it's an interesting society time, but I see that it shifting, is. and I see more and more awareness brought to how do we... How do we look at everything as a whole? So you had yeah, you grew up with your your mom having having a mental illness and seeing what she was going through, which probably brought you into this questioning of something higher than yourself too, and what does this oh, all mean? Absolutely. Um, I actually wanted to go to school for um, research psychology. I, I really felt very passionate about. Um, helping to develop non-pharmaceutical treatments for mental disorders, you know, because I was like, this sucks. My mom, you know, can't be off her medication, but when she's on it, she's miserable. And she's just, like, completely shut down, you know, like a robot. Um, And so I I saw that, like, dissonance of, like, this is supposed to be medicine, but it's not. (laughs) It's making it worse in a sense, you know? Yeah. So I started to, even before I went to school, I started doing research, and I very quickly learned that um, it's totally a Western society thing to to, to look at someone and be like, mm, your square peg doesn't fit into this round hole. Your brain's broken. Here's some drugs. <laughs> or let's put you in this padded cell, <laughs> you know? Um, whereas with a lot of indigenous cultures and, and um, societies that are older than ours, they see people that have different minds and different ways of uh, existing and, and being and thinking. And they don't say those people are broken. They say that they're gifted. They're special. Yeah. And that, that, that difference in them is nurtured in such a way that those are the people that become the medicine women and men and the shamans and, you know, the, the, the uh, prophets or psychics or whatever, because they're able to tap into things that most of us are not necessarily um, able to access, you know? Yeah. So when I learned about that, I was like, it just really broadened things for me. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, you know, like, not on, like, a, on, a, on a mental illness, you know, but I was I was spending some time, I had somebody visiting me recently, and I had two people visiting me, and one of the people had autism, hmm. and it was it was high-functioning, but, you know, I could see that, you know, that getting caught up in the emotions and, and the the story just did not exist but the matter of factness and the like i'm just going to do this this and this you know kind of thing like formed their own genius and you know it was like this other form of you know so you know they were extremely smart but in this in this one vertical line that really got to develop due to how their brain functioned right you know and it, and <laughs> yeah. it was like it was the things that you know the the simple things that maybe would it would irritate or get the average person carried away or get caught up into things like that the, that sense of bother that sense of questioning that sense of you know complaint complacency didn't exist it was just okay i need to do this this and this mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna do this this and this and there's no other backstory that's added and so there was no level of fear that prevented immobility right, right? you know yeah, and it was yeah. like wow that's a 
his greatest gift. It's a, it's a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that um, a lot of the greatest artists and just greatest minds in history have had something different. You know, it's just a matter of were they in the proper environment for that to be nurtured, where the mm-hmm. brain could, you know, uh, uh, learn how to balance and utilize that difference, or were they like <laughs> tried? Uh, were they forced into a box that they didn't fit into? You know, yeah. and then as a result, developed all of these other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so you wanted to go to school for research psychology, right? Yes, bringing it back in together. Yes, thank you. And, and, um, <laughs> and you know, wanted to look at other forms, and it's interesting because maybe not research psychology, but finding other alternative forms of treating and helping and facilitating people is right. what you do. Right, right. Well, so so that's the thing. <laughs> Before I even got to go to college, um, I took this trip to Norway, had my first plant medicine experience. And, uh, and then I moved to LA and I started going to school and everything, you know, but already again, that seed had been planted of like, yeah, there's other ways to like, uh, facilitate self healing, uh, for people with, with, you know, uh, traumas or disorders. Um, but it still, I went, I started going through school and then, um, yeah, after, uh, not too long, <laughs> uh, I got completely sucked into <laughs> the direct experience of um, utilizing plant medicines for my own healing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I got to a certain point where I was just like, I feel like <laughs> that thing that I was going to school to study, which probably wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get that far in any way, just yeah. in terms of like what I would have wanted to, um, I mean, there's just so much like, <laughs> so, so, uh, so many politics that go into you know, actually um, being able to utilize plant medicines and different types of alternative uh, therapies and healings and making it readily available for the public, you know. Yeah. There's the corporate interests and there's all this, like, bull, you know. Um, so I'm so grateful that I was sucked out of that and put directly into, like, okay, well, you have plenty of traumas just like everybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> here's this person and here's this stranger and here's this new friend and you're just going to... Uh, with such ease and grace be guided to all these different experiences and see how powerful and um, just transformational and and beautiful the healing experience can be without doing more damage. You know what I mean? Um, And so, yeah, that, that is really what led me into, you know, then doing the healing sanctuaries and then, um, meeting more medicine people and learning about more medicines. I'm constantly, there's like so many different plants and medicines always coming to me and I'm just like, wow, it doesn't end. This is what? This is from Africa? Amazing. I'm just, I feel like a little kid, you know, I'm constantly excited and just like, well, I mean, there's, there's, you know, in pharmacology classes that I used to take and stuff like that, there's Mm. over 2,000 400 plants that have different psychotropic um, qualities that are natural mm. in nature. Mm. Whether the morning glories or the different things, but 2,400. And now you're not even talking about all of the plants that have DMT concentrations in right. it, you know, and then you're finding that that's, you know, so many, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
and I mean, it's all, it's all over. I always, I always tell people right. like, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's being written about, you know, for, you know, I mean, I might get some criticism for this, but you know, like in the book of the Genesis, it's, it's, it, it talks about if you want to see what God sees when the snake comes and visits Eve, mm-hmm. if you want to see what God sees, eat the fruit and the seed. Interesting. And then what did Eve do? She ate two components, the, the, you know, and that's what you need to do in a lot of plant medicine. (laughs) And, and all of a sudden their eyes, they could see a world in a different light and they could see like God saw. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it's even written about then. And then interesting enough, you know, so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, controversy, but most people agree that the Bible was created in Egypt. But either way, mm. the cicada plant has one of the highest concentrations of DMT out of any plant. Oh, interesting. And it was rampant in that area. Huh. <laughs> Makes a Very lot of interesting. Sense. <laughs> 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 uh. Uh. Yeah, I have to say, honestly, one of my um, favorite things about... Uh, ripening into adulthood and life is just seeing how much truth there is in everything you know it's like even the things that like growing up I was honestly pretty anti-religion just because I was forced into like Christianity and stuff and I was just sitting there like something doesn't smell right you know just like the 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 just the forcefulness of the, the whole type of religion that I was in um but as I get older I'm like okay I see the seeds of truth all throughout, you know, and then I feel that what tends to happen um, <laughs> is the mind, you know, or the ego yeah. uh, takes those seeds of truth and, and distorts it, you know, and it starts to create all these stories around it and it becomes this like big thing. <laughs> but there's still a seed of truth in there, you know? Yeah, and there's a seed of truth across all of the different ancient texts. That, right, right. You know, more and more ancient texts are being discovered. I have a friend that has a friend that's putting together the real 46 manuscripts that are in Tibet and through, scattered Ooh. throughout China right now. It's kind of like the Celestine prophecy, but in real life. Wow. And they're finding these ancient texts and scrolls that they're putting together, you know, right now, today. You know, at this right, right moment, <laughs> literally right at this moment, I forget how many they've already discovered, uh, you know, in the tens of them already, but there's allegedly 46 of them. Huh. But, um, and, you know, like, but there's more and more of these sacred texts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you take it and you, and you, you get those seeds of wisdom and you look at things and I think where we've went wrong, uh, Again, wrong. <laughs> Judge me if you will. Whatever. This is these are just my belief systems. People might sure. resonate with this, but um, you know, since it's open to, we got lots of listeners and things like that. But yeah. uh, where where we've went wrong is we've taken a metaphor and made it a reality. And so oftentimes these stories mm. or these scriptures, like, you know, the Bhagavad is all one big metaphor, you know, like, and people can get that because it mm. takes place in the middle of a war zone. But, you know, then they, then, then there's, there's different elements that are taken as real, mm-hmm. you know, but what if it was just that moment of time or because if everything in order for us to communicate we need to communicate in a way of what people will understand in the now. Mm. 
And if we were communicating now today, we might it, it communicate and use the metaphor of a computer mm, right, or an information right. age, or <laughs> or the way that you can store things and and put data into different files and stuff like that. But if you were using metaphors from years ago, you might you know do different things. Like mm. there's you know passages in the Quran about dogs and to stay away from them and that they're that. But at that time, there were street dogs and they were dirty, mm. right? Is it doesn't mean like the dogs today are bad, you know, right. like or you know, like, and then different passages in the Bible that people, like, grab a hold of. And it's like, well, can we look at the lesson that was around that? Right. You know? Right. And, and the lesson has this beautiful wisdom when you look at it as the lesson. What is that trying to convey? And what was that conveying at that point in time during that period of time? And how do people process and how mm. do people like view the world because those words are just mere language right you know like if a yeah. cell phone didn't exist then they're not going to use the terminology of a cell phone or a phone for communication yeah yeah absolutely um and it kind of reminds me just what you're saying now um of something that i i found myself referencing quite a lot uh, just the concept of like <laughs> us and you know the the mind that we have trying to make the infinite finite Mm -hmm. you know you have these experiences of the divine and I feel like for me the moment that I start to try to think about it and even more so if I try to put it into words it's so minimized yeah because it's just it's this is finite and you know everything else is infinite Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that makes sense, yeah, if I'm no, no, <laughs> communicating uh, what I'm trying to, again, <laughs> trying to communicate. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, language is is, uh, is very limiting in that way. And I feel like... Um, and then all the translations, too. Uh, it just there's so many layers <laughs> of like skewing, right, and misunderstanding, which is why it, it makes sense that it would be so much, you would be so much closer to the truth to absorb from the under to absorb the uh the the vibrational understanding or what resonates mm-hmm. with the heart as opposed to what this is trying to decipher and categorize and label and put in a box right yeah because this is super limited <laughs> yeah and so is that a lot of what you do in your facilitation <sighs> yes um well, and let me ask you, in what sense do you mean? Well, I mean, do you, do you help people find how to listen to their heart and resonate with their heart and find their own truth or their, you know, like, what is it that you exactly facilitate for people, I guess? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm a very firm believer in, uh, and again, you know, my truth, your truth, it's, a, you know, it's all perspective. But for me... Um, I don't consider myself like a, a shaman or a healer. I'm my own shaman. I'm my own healer, but I can't heal anyone else directly. I can create a sacred safe space mm-hmm. and share tools that have helped me in my healing so that you can do your own healing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in, in that way, um, the way that my ceremonies um, are... Um, constructed is uh, a combination of all the the little tools that I've gathered from like this plant medicine and this experience and this ceremony, just different things throughout my life. Um, And one of the things that I really, well, okay, so there's a couple things (laughs) that I feel are really key to um, allowing this, this part of us to relax and allowing this part of us to open and, and speak more 
Um, and one of those things is the utilizing a blindfold. Okay. Yeah. So, um, in my, my working with, um, ayahuasca from my, my personal journey, um, I had some experiences where I was given a blindfold. And the idea is that um, when you're working with this, this powerful plant medicine, it's basically she's taking you back to the, the seed trauma or the seed, the, 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 the seed of truth of what you experienced at some point in your life, right, mm-hmm. um, as a child most likely. And it's allowing you to bring those fragmented pieces of yourself back to an back into alignment because essentially what happens is you know we come into the world pure and then we start to have uh, experiences from our parents because they're traumatized from their childhood and we have experiences from society because it's a collective uh, group of traumatized individuals (laughs) and so all these things start to happen to us we don't know why we don't understand it so we start that the mind is like we need to understand it so let me create a story about it to make make it make sense yeah but we have to continue growing at the same time. So all these pieces of ourselves are fragmented along the way, mm-hmm. you know, and this brings us into adulthood where we have, um, you know, maybe relationship issues or uh, issues with money. And it's all built around these like seed incidents yeah. that we created stories around that told that, that we believed, um, were facts. Yeah. You know, again, like you were saying, as opposed to understanding and taking in the, the feeling of the original thing, creating stories and taking everything as fact as opposed to metaphor. Um, so working with something like ayahuasca allows you to go back to that seed and bring those fragmented pieces of yourself back to, into alignment, um, and utilizing the blindfold basically allows you to stay in the deeper layers of your subconscious and, and allows you to hold the most impeccable space for your inner child Mm -hmm. as these pieces come back into alignment. Because the thing is when you're going so deep into yourself, you know, something might be triggered or, uh, or unlocked. There's been many instances in, in my in my journeys where, you know, this deep sadness comes up and I'm not expecting it, yeah. you know, or maybe I'll see something, uh, you know, an old memory. And the impulse is knee-jerk. It's to open your eyes, like, don't even keep yourself safe, <laughs> you yeah. know? So if you have this blindfold in place, it really allows you to stay in there and, and just hold space for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I so, so love that. It's completely changed my life working in that way. Um, so I love to bring that into any kind of ceremony that I, I hold for other people. And you do a lot of cacao ceremonies. Can you explain right. what those are for Yeah, people? yeah. Um, so, oh gosh. <laughs> well, let me start by saying that um, cacao is the plant that chocolate is made from. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of indigenous cultures uh, use it as a, a medicine. Um, and really, it's a heart medicine in every sense of the word. So physically speaking, it's very good for cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. It also has something called theobromine in it, which gives you energy. But unlike caffeine, it's like a very balanced um, mind-heart energy. Um, And energetically, it's a heart opener. So um, you just really feel, you know, even if you're doing it out, like I drink it every single day. Okay. Um, And I find that it just really... It just really puts me into my heart space. Like I just feel much more balanced and much more at ease and just uh, less trapped up here. Okay. <laughs> um, so for the ceremonies, um, I make cacao for everyone uh, into you know a latte. Uh, I use a little bit of nut milk, hot water, honey. Um, it's cacao from Ecuador. What, what I personally like to work with. I tried many different types, but the the one that I sort of settled on felt the most um, impactful. Um, and pure. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, 
Now, is this different than when people go to the store and they see cacao? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Yeah, so a lot of the, uh, I mean, pretty much all the chocolate that is readily available in in stores is, um, it's just (laughs) mostly milk and sugar. Um, And even if you find, you know, 100% pure dark chocolate in the store, it's, um, it doesn't, oftentimes have the cacao butter in it. It has been processed so much uh-huh. that it doesn't have all of the... Um, it just, it's just not a whole plant. Gotcha. <laughs> You're not getting all of the components of it, really, that allow your body to absorb all the properties. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, there I have seen, and maybe some people else have seen, cacao powders that are popping up in the right. store. Are those a little bit better? I mean... Any cacao is (laughs) great, but in terms of like, yeah, the effectiveness, um, you definitely want something more like a crumble that has the cacao butter in it. The powders usually don't have the butter in it. Okay. Um, And so your body's just not going to be able to absorb it as well because it needs a little bit of that fat, you know? Okay. Okay. Um, So so you get yours from Ecuador. Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, so basically you come in, um, I... I always love to start my ceremonies with um, just honestly sharing with everyone where I am in my my life, like that day or that week. Um, I used to like really rigorously plan out what I would like say and do in the ceremony, but just like with everything else, I found that the more that I let go of this, trying to control it, and I just flowed from here, the more seamless and beautiful and just divine it felt. Mm-hmm. So I really just show up. I, I, I show up as authentically as I can. Um, and whatever I share about where I'm at in my life um, sort of uh, is offered up as like a theme or the... the yeah, just sort of like a through line for, for everyone in the group. And, and more times than not, it resonates with people because we're all so on the same yeah. journey, just different routes, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's why the same, like, few storylines of a movie just get remade and remade. Right, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, that resonates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I share a bit about myself. Um, then we pass out the cacao. Um, I love to have everyone put their... Basically, when the cacao comes to you in the the glass, just put it to your heart, take a deep breath, and send some love into it before you pass it on to your neighbor. We're all sort of sitting in a circle, you know? So then we get sort of this collective um, vortex of (laughs) love going into each cup. Um, And then I love to have people go around and share their names and their intention, because, you know, personal intention is everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when you're working with plant medicine, you're literally programming what you would like this to do for you, you know? (laughs) It's it's incredible. Um, Then I love to take people through a a meditation just to get them grounded, Um, call in some of the ancestral lineages, because so much of uh, what we carry with us in our day-to-day life is not even directly our stuff you know it's like our great grandmothers or (laughs) or even our sisters because we're so emotionally connected you know yeah so just bringing in those people and uh for support and um and just really opening your heart to all of the different relationships and connections that you have in your life because regardless of how this categorizes it as like a difficult relationship or a great one it's there for a purpose you know and we're growing so immensely from every single one um so after that, <laughs> um, I have everyone lay down, put on their blindfolds, 
Um, and uh, the other major component of my ceremonies, um, in addition to the blindfold, is the music that I play. Um, and you're also a DJ, too. I, right. <laughs> so, so, so she always has a good playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the uh, music and sound, oh, gosh, it's been, um, it's been such a medicine for me my entire life. And um, it's, it's so funny. I was just having this conversation with someone today, actually about how I always have like ear, little earbuds in um, because it just helps to kind of like drown out the thoughts a little bit, you know, just to put me in, into this, this heart space again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, actually. It's reminding me of, uh, of something else, uh, just this, uh, this little fact of the day. <laughs> uh, memories that have an emotional impact on us are stored in a different part of the brain than other memories. Mm-hmm. So it's more of long-term, you know, it's like a survival mechanism this made me afraid. I'm going to remember this forever. I loved this. I'll remember this forever. Um, and so I remember watching a documentary about, um, uh, elderly people that have like, um, Alzheimer's and stuff. And people were bringing their, their iPods into these homes because, you know, even if they're not, uh, super lucid and present in their day-to-day life, you can put music on from their, their upbringing, their childhood, and it brings them back to the present. Because all of a sudden they're having this emotional connection with something that's tied to a memory that brings them back to who they are. Wow. Right? <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so I feel like that's why it's such a... I just got chills. <laughs> why it's such a, a beautiful component for me to be able to, to utilize in my own healing and also in, in the space I create for others. Because again, the goal is to... Um, just kind of like soothe this part of ourselves and allow this part to open and, and to experience what it feels like to live in here more. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So you help people open that heart center. They create that intention in the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, um, what do you think the the most... When do you think people need to or, or are needed to interesting word but when do you think people benefit most from coming to like a cacao ceremony hmm um well you know (laughs) I feel like uh people benefit most from coming to a cacao ceremony when they show up (laughs) when they feel called to you know what I mean yeah because but I mean, if people are sitting there and they're right. like not sure whether it's for them or not because sure. they just don't have much awareness yet, yeah, yeah, you know, of that, you know, is it like you know when somebody's going through you know like a breakup or this or there or like any time like is is there certain periods of time when you find or that when you yourself at different junctures feel most drawn to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and my first thought was, um, of course, to answer the question in that way, because, you know, it makes so much sense. It's, it's heart medicine, yeah. you know, and especially with the breath work that we incorporate and, and just the sense of community and all of that, it's extremely helpful for people that are um, dealing with any sort of um, just emotional congestion, um, if they're feeling blocked in their life in some way, you know, mm-hmm. if they're very like just stuck in their, their mind and they're not really sure what the next step is or how they can bring in something into their life, you know, in terms of like relationships or, or finances or creativity. Um, because essentially what this experience is so great for is again, cr- connecting 
connecting ourselves to our truest essence, you yeah. know, our heart. I really feel that the heart is this, uh, this primary brain, really, you know, and this, this, this direct connection to our soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel that um, it's my higher self and my soul and my inner child. You know, it's all the same for me. Um, that, that is the being that is uh, creating this divine plan for me and this, this, this divine orchestration where I can, you know, get years down the, the road in my life and look back and be like, damn, that was perfect. <laughs> it seemed a little bit like difficult at times and I didn't understand it fully when I was in it. But now that I can look back, it's like, wow. Yeah. You know? And so I feel like that this kind of ceremony and ceremony in general, to be honest, um, but especially working with cacao, it's, um, it's so beautiful and, and helpful in reestablishing that connection to yourself and just really, um, getting in touch with how you can be the most of service to yourself. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I love that. If and you know, I know we're coming to an end of today's podcast. I feel like we could talk about a couple more episodes right. <laughs> and things like that. Um, but where can people find you? <laughs> well, um, here, <laughs> here, you For know, sure. every other Sunday. <laughs> but um, you know, like if the, otherwise, like yeah, is there any yeah. like your Instagram or anything else that they can find you on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do a lot of my um, promotion on Instagram. I, I love to write as well. Um, so I do a lot of blogging just about my personal healing journey, and that all goes into my Instagram. Um, Facebook a little bit as well. Um, I'm in the process of developing uh, a website right now, putting okay. my businesswoman hat on, all right. <laughs> getting all official. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I work also at a lot of different uh, festivals, big festivals in California, um, doing healing work. And um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll put your Instagram handle in there. What is it? Awesome. Celeste McMillan. Okay. So we'll put it in there uh, for everybody. And if you had to leave the viewers with one thing, what would it be? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh, With one thing. Wow. Well, whatever that thing comes up. I mean, we can have you back and you can leave them with another thing at a different time. But for right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... Well... Yeah. What's coming through for me now is uh, that if I had to pick one tool of the, the bazillions that are, are readily available to us, the one tool that's been the most helpful for me in my life is just listening. Mm. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just... Yeah. It doesn't require anything outside of yourself. It's just, you know, the more you can listen, the more ease and joy and just more of everything you know yeah. love that thank you so much <laughs> thank you <laughs> it was a yeah. lot of fun <laughs> and thank you everybody for joining until next time if you enjoyed this conversation like it subscribe and share it with your friends if you want some more amazing resources on your path of liberation head over to liberateyourself.com and sign up for our mailing list connect with us on facebook instagram at liberate hollywood all one word or liberate emporium all one word until next time liberate yourself